just excited to be in the presence of the Lord. Because I believe that God has something for us. You know, the new year is a great time for new things. And, and so we're going to begin a new study. And in that study, we're going to be listening and hearing God's voice. I believe in, in God is going to be revealing some things to us. So I'm excited about what God is doing, not what we're doing, not what this pastor's doing or a neighbor. And we're glad our neighbor's here and we're worshiping with each other. This is awesome to experience the community of God together. But the fact is that God is here and he wants to speak to you. He wants to say something to you this morning. I believe that. As I'm preparing the, the, the new study for this new year, it's going to be about five weeks long. So I invite you to just hang in there, invite some people to come back and listen to what we're talking about. Because I believe it's really relevant. I, I believe it is. I, I believe that this, this, uh, this connects. I, I believe that it's, it's kind of the stuff you want to wrestle with, you know, to deal with, with life. We're going back to work. I heard somebody say, I got to go back to work on Monday. <laughs> Some started on Monday. I was back in the office on Thursday myself. Um, as I'm preparing for this series, I'm thinking of some questions in my own mind. I mean, why do I preach the sermon? Why, why do I preach? I'm thinking about that myself. I mean, why do I preach? And, and who is the sermon for? Is the sermon, you know, in part it's for me because I study and I prepare and the Lord ministers to me. But it's also maybe for you and hopefully you get something out of the sermons we're going to go through and we're going to share and experience together. Maybe, perhaps, maybe the sermon in a little bit, in a little way, and I'm very humbled to say this, maybe it's a little for God too. Because God hears us speak of him and his attributes and the omniscience of God. And hopefully that honors and that glorifies God just as we're worshiping to him and we are singing our songs to him. We are listening about the word. We're listening to the word for his glory. Amen. Amen. And so that's part of the experience. I have these questions. And then how do we measure whether or not what I'm saying is being Effective or not. And, and I say this and I ask these questions because I think about how often our lives are turned upside down, how often our lives are disrupted by outside circumstances, even when we're doing the right thing. Even when we're living holy and we're living Christianly in the midst of living Christianly and doing the right thing, then, then our life is disrupted and something happens because stuff happens. And something happens and really knocks the wind out of us. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm in the midst of living holy and living Christianly. And then this begins to happen. And I just want to say, really? (laughs) Really? This has to happen to me? I'm living Christian. I'm living holy. I'm doing what I think God has called me to do. And now this is happening. And I just want to say, really? Has anybody, can anybody relate to that at all? We go to the early church. And I believe in this portion of the early church. In Acts chapter 16, I see Paul and Silas, and we're going to begin this story, and our journey will take us in the next four or five weeks through this story. So hang in there again. Just bear with me. And in the first part, this is the first step we're going to take today. In this first part, I, I believe that Paul and Silas, they are going through a similar kind of experience like we experience in life, and that is their life is disrupted. And I can imagine Paul... <laughs> You know, shaking his head and going his head and saying, really? 
Because they're preaching, they're trying to do ministry, follow me, and we gotta get the image in our mind what's happening, they're, they're journeying, they're doing ministry, they're preaching, they're trying to do their best to do ministry, and then there's this girl that comes along, this woman that is demon possessed, and, and she is, you know, pursuing them and yelling at them. Have you ever had anybody just talking and yelling at you, and you're busy and you're trying to do something else, and there's this disruption that's happening, and so she's doing this, and notice it says here that he does not deal with it, for some days. That's key. That's key for this whole study. That he does not deal with it for some days. Because oftentimes we experience a disrupted life and things happen to us and things knock the wind out of us. And God does nothing, it seems. And life is disrupted and we're trying to live Christianly. And, 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 and so you can imagine the emotion that Paul is having here as it goes on for some days. In fact, let's just jump in. Go to Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and, and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. And dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. A little bit of an exaggeration, possibly. By advocating customs and lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. As I hear the voices screaming and yes and their fists you may in the air like this. So the crowd's now involved and engaged. And the magistrates ordered them to, to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. I thank you, Lord, that you are, that, that you, Lord, are present. You're not only present then, that you're present now. And that, Lord, that your discerning spirit is speaking and working through each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that even as we are worshiping you and listening, that our spirit will be able to discern what it is that you want us to hear. Not just only what the pastor's saying, but what you want us to hear. And I pray that you'll be glorified in it. I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you for this moment, Lord. We ask this in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Now. Let's get to work here. Look at the background just a little bit. And, and what do we see here? We see, we see that life is happening, you know, because one thing's piling up on another. In fact, there's a saying I, 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 I've heard many times that I've used even, and you've, you're familiar with the saying, and here's the saying, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> right? 
When it rains, it pours, and that's what's happening here. Because it's one thing after another that's happening here. Paul is confronted by this possessed girl. And Luke's language suggests that Paul believes that she has the spirit of Python. And, and Python, which is spelled P-Y-T-H-O-N, was a mystical serpent killed by Apollo who took the serpent's gift of predictions and forms. And so this means that this one is now controlled by this evil spirit. I had somebody trying to be smart and said, I, I think that's what's wrong with my mother-in-law. <laughs> I said, no, that's not right. That's not your, your mother-in-law's problem. That's not it. But this, this, is, this is kind of the language here that insinuates that there, there is this controlling spirit. And it is, it is, of course, you know, affecting her. And, and, and then, of course, Paul, here's Paul. He comes along. And, and he then responds, you know, as he is led. And, and notice that he does not attack the girl. It's not the girl that he attacks. It's the spirit. I mean, that he speaks to with power. It's the spirit. And that's key because oftentimes we allow the sin and the behavior of others to, to cause us to begin to feel bitterness towards others. And so that prevents us from really fulfilling the will of God because see, God's will is that we are loving. God's will is that we are willing to love others. And if we allow their behaviors and evil and sin, you know, to cause us to become bitter towards others, then how are we going to really be what it is that God has called us to be? How are we going to be Jesus to those that are enemies? Because, see, we're supposed to love our enemies, right? And so he's very wise in the fact that he attacks the spirit, not the girl, because he understands, you know, the life that he's been called to as a believer. And, and then something that's obvious, maybe not so obvious to you, but to me, is that spiritual conflict, when we deal with spiritual conflict, or when we do not, better said, we do not deal with spiritual conflict, oftentimes it leads to difficult physical circumstances. I mean, think about that for a moment, because... Um, I mean, this again, this is where we really connect, because when we do not deal with spiritual conflict that is happening in your life, it oftentimes leads to difficult physical circumstances. And you're scratching your head saying, why am I in this situation? And maybe possibly because there's something spiritual that's been going on that's left undealt with. And so here's what I want to say. The enemy, and I repeat this, the enemy does not want to leave you alone. The enemy does not want to stop. The enemy will not back up. The enemy is going to attack you. He's going to try to make your life tough. He's strategic in the way that he approaches and attacks you. In fact, in Matthew 12, looking at verse 43 through 45, we read there, you remember, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. Do you remember this? When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, seven other spirits, wicked, more wicked than himself. And then it begins to occupy that space, that person's life. And then all of a sudden, there is this chaos, and things come crashing down, and the life is worse off than it ever was before. Remember the saying now? We're back there. When it rains, it pours. When it rains, it pours. You see, Satan is the master of delusion. Say that with me. Satan is the master of delusion. And here in a society that typically embraces the concept of oracles from God or some divine being, we have these powers and these influences that are happening by these influencers and also those that are affluent, affluent 
primarily because of the divinations of this girl, because of the soothsaying and, the, and, and those that are fortune tellers. And so, you know, this is just one that's probably a part of a large organization. You know, this is just the tip of the iceberg, a large organization that these men are using. And this is not the only victim, I suspect, of their organization. I mean, this is what's happening in, in the midst of the organization. Then enters Paul and Silas, and now they are speaking in the power of God. And, and this then explodes. Here's the scenario in the text. It explodes not just in spiritual warfare, but it explodes into a physical warfare, really physical attack against Paul and Silas. And then within moments, they're trussed up and they're covered up and they're in serious trouble. Paul and Silas. You see, back to the enemy now. You know, the fact that Satan is the master of delusion and the best way they can keep us in the dark is to get us to convince you to believe your own delusions about yourself. Like, for example, to believe that things are impossible or to believe that there's no way out or believe that the mountain is, is too hard to climb. You see, the enemy wants you to, to believe that, that there's no way that there can be a change in your life or spiritual transformation or to believe that the circumstances can never get better or to believe that it's never going to stop raining. <laughs> and I want to say raining ants because sometimes they're so covered up. It feels like, I mean, there's no way out. I, I've got to share with you a time I was working in our yard in Florida, and it's hot in Florida. How many know that already? It's hot in Florida. I don't mean California hot. I mean, it's hot in Florida. I mean, I was cleaning and working in the yard and mowing the lawn and trimming and the tropical shrubs, and I was doing all that work one afternoon, and it was 400 degrees outside. And I, I had my cargo shorts on. It was so hot that, that I had no shirt on. Sorry about that image. But I had no shirt on. I had no pants. Well, my cargo shorts and flip-flops. Flip-flops and cargo shorts. And I, I'm mowing. I'm trimming. And, and, and then I get to the backyard. And there's a space in the backyard where our pool equipment is attached to a cement pad. And so we put a four-foot-tall white PVC fence, solid PVC fence, around our pool equipment, which is about a four-foot by four-foot foot space up against the house and so there's a gate and you walk in the gate and the gate swings shut behind you four foot by four foot four foot high you got that and I'm, I'm i'm back there because i'm using the leaf blower to clean off the patio around the pool and now i'm using the leaf blower to clean off the pool equipment attached to the pad of cement and then outside of the pad of cement between the cement and the fence is about eight inches of soil and what I did not notice, what I did not notice is there were two colonies of red ants that had moved in. And I don't know if you've ever been around those tiny, small red ants in Florida. You know, the big ones, they sting. I'm telling you, those tiny, small ones, you go numb. Where they, I mean, it, it's like fire. Anyhow, I'm in there with my blower, a powerful leaf blower, and I hit those two colonies of stinging red ants in that four-foot enclosure that was like a wind tunnel. And all of a sudden, poof, all those colonies went in the air, and all the sand went in the air, and all those ants went in the air, and I'm sweaty, I am wet, and all the sand and the ants come raining down. Talk about fire in the hole. Well, I tell you what, I'm sticky, and the ants are you know, sticking to my hair, in my face, my shoulders, and going down my shorts, and all of a sudden they start stinging, and my body is on fire. I start screaming like a 10-year-old little girl. I'm thinking, what are the neighbors thinking right now? And so I, I'm trying to get through the gate. I finally get the gate open. I run, and I jump in the pool. Whew. And I find some really, folks, life is like that sometimes. <laughs> you ever feel that way, that you're just covered up, trussed up, tied up, 
You're stuck. That's exactly how I feel sometimes. That I, I'm just covered in, 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 in just junk. And I'm thinking, really? And so I come to this passage and, and I have to be reminded of this. And I think Paul is trying to remind us that, that God is a God of order. In fact, in Psalm 119, 133, we read, direct my footsteps According to your word, direct means that there is a direction, there is a purpose. He's direct my footsteps. According to your word, the word means that there is a plan. So God has a direction and he has a plan. That's the word of God. Man, that sounds like order to me. That God is the God of order. Do you know there are some laws that that, that God gives us? and, And one of the first laws of heaven is that God is a God of order. Think about creation in the beginning when God created and he created six days and then there's a seventh day that he rests. So there was this plan and there was this order. God is a God of order. And that's the first law of heaven that we discover when we start reading the Bible. And that the second law of order is that God establishes order out of chaos. Think of this, when he begins to create heaven and earth and he begins to breathe life into man, that there is this orderliness that begins to happen because why? God is a God of order and there's order that he brings into your life when you give your life to Jesus Christ. And you wonder why is life so chaotic or why is there disorder? Well, maybe there's something spiritual that is happening and we're not dealing with it because remember, then it results in physical circumstances. And so it's a spiritual dynamic here that, that Paul directs us to, and he demonstrates that he understands how demonized this girl was, and then he acts, this is key, then he acts to bring order, and this is the first thought that I have for you, is that he speaks the power of God. If you're filling the notes, that's where you would go with number one. He speaks the power of God. In fact, Excuse me. In fact, uh, we read, go back to the text and and we read in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. He says to the spirit and immediately the spirit leaves her immediately at that moment. The spirit left her because he speaks the power of God. There's something about speaking the power of God. I mean, something about spoken word that God has given us this gift that with words, I mean, with speaking, there's this power that happens. I like Uh, What one leader said, he said, when you think you can, when you think you can or you can't, it's true. Whether you think you can or can't, it's true. And, And maybe it's the speaking that makes, you know, that brings to reality those thoughts that we have in our mind. And this is this is this uh, power of the spoken word is not a controlling dynamic. It's not a manipulation of God or anything like that. It's a reminder of, of whose we are and who we serve because we serve the mighty king of kings. And he's blessed us with this power to speak words that influence and shape us. I remember as a kid in grade school, just like you, there were times that other kids said mean things to me. And they picked on me. Say ah or something. Ah. Yeah, they picked on me. But anyways, I'd get home. And you know how it was. Mom would say something. <laughs> or dad would say something. And all that negativity that, that the other peer, my peers made me feel, it went away. It went away because dad spoke or mom spoke and they spoke power into my life and it shaped me. And I said, "Okay, I'm not bad that bad after all, because of the power of the spoken word that God has given us. And and, and I think maybe this is a reminder 
to you this morning that God in heaven is for you. And maybe if there's one thing that you need to hear before you leave today, this was the one thing that you came for. That God in heaven is for you. He's for you. And, and he, he wants to bless you. <laughs> and if God in heaven is for you, who, who can be against you? Right? So to speak the power of God in our situation, it lets others know where we stand. That's important to me that, that you know, people know that I stand for something. I stand for God. And what's the saying? You don't stand for something. You fall for anything, right? And so we understand that there's a there's some reality to that, that when we speak of God and we speak of his truth and who he is, his son, Jesus, then then we're letting people know that we stand for something and we stand with God. And I want people to know that I stand for God. That comes from spoken word. Another thing is speaking the power of God may be like praying your faith aloud. Praying your faith aloud and even speaking it before it's reality, maybe. And God hears your voice and the psalmist builds on this. And, and unfortunately, when you think of the psalmist and all the things that he writes about, but unfortunately, I think we wait until crisis really to, to speak, you know, better reality, better truth that God has given us based on his word. We wait to crisis. I was reading an article because I like aviation, about an aviation situation, a crash, and, and it was not as terrible as they thought it was going to be, a plane full of people, and uh, they were going to crash. It was imminent, and, and many survived, and be very popular scenario. But anyways, they were interviewing one of the men, and his response caught my attention. He said, it just shocked me how many people on the plane were praying. He said, everybody was praying. It's interesting. I wonder how many of those people actually go to church and worship God. But in the midst of crisis, under that pressure, you see, the whole plane begins to pray. I think of Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven and I will, I will forgive their sins. To speak the power of God shows faith in that promise. That God will hear from heaven. And maybe that's what you need to know this morning. He, he responds to your, your prayer. The God of heaven hears the voice on earth. And folks, that, that excites me. Because I know that God is an intimate God, a caring God. He wants to hear what I have to say. So your prayer is important. The second thing that I recognize that maybe Paul leaves for us here as, as a lesson is notice here that Paul waits for the right time. That's what you'd fill in there. That Paul waits for the right time. This demon-possessed woman followed him for days. Obviously, the Holy Spirit did not release Paul to handle the situation until God's timing. Now, the fact is that their life, Paul and Silas, their life had been disrupted. And, and I'm sure things did not unfold according to Paul and Silas's timing. I mean, the fact was they were stung a bit. They were covered with an ant, so to speak, or the rain was falling. And Paul and Silas, you know, had been beaten and thrown in jail and probably stripped and shamed and demoralized. And I cannot completely relate with the experience. I remember in sixth grade that I was punched in the face twice. I mean, that's the only time I've ever experienced physical violence. And the irony of that is that boy that hit me in the face twice ended up going to Northwest Nazarene University, the college I went to. So we had to face each other and deal with that. God is funny the way he works. But so I was hit twice and I was in sixth grade. I cried. 
I mean, it was violent for a little sixth grader. And, and that's nothing compared to what Paul and Silas were facing. I, I cannot imagine, you know, the physical abuse of what they had experienced and what they had gone through. But we need to recognize that only God knows the heart and only God knows what it takes to bring revival and transformation of the individual's heart. And as we continue to look at the story, and we're going to do that in the next two or three weeks, this will be a part of our series. But as the story unfolds, we will see this revelation that God does impact somebody's life and he transforms the life of the jailer and that family is affected. And there is this far reaching effect of God because God, only God knows what it takes to transform the heart. And I don't know what your circumstances are. Or what it's going to take for God to transform your heart or bring renewal to your heart in your spiritual walk. But I know this without any doubt, no question, that God's plans are always better than man's plans. God's plans are better than than any plan that we can ever design. That's one thing he shows us, that Paul, you know, he responded at the right time, God's timing, not his own. Here's the third one, and I love this. Here's the third idea, that Paul and Silas, note this, that Paul and Silas began praising and singing hymns to God. I love that. I mean, here they are, they've been beaten, and they, they've been abused and flogged, and now they're taken into the inner cell, and I imagine the inner cell is kind of like the dungeon. I imagine it's dark and dank and maybe wet. Maybe you can hear some dripping there off in the distance it says that they put their feet in in stocks and so i imagine the stocks for their feet are on the ground i imagine they have to sit like this with their knees up or or to relax they have to lay back on their back and maybe they're laying on their back i mean i don't know what the situation is but they're praising god and they're singing hymns and and now they're there in their stocks and and they're in this terrible dank dark situation And there is something that is leaping to life in them. There is this dance that's beginning to dance in their spirit. And there is this praising and singing that's happening. And I I know they are doing this because of the knowing. Because they know something that the others around did not know. You know what they knew? They knew, here it is, they knew that God was working something out in the midst of their terrible circumstances. Folks, talk about a disrupted life. I don't know what has disrupted your life or what's causing you to struggle, but I know this in the midst of that, that God is doing something. In fact, in this story, as we continue to study this in the next few weeks, you know, we're going to see that that God's plans obviously do not always work out the way that our plans would. We're going to see in the story that, that, that we have to trust him just a little bit. The story is also going to show us that we have to have some faith in God, that God is working things out and knowing that will help carry us through. But here's the biggest one. The story is also going to teach us that we have to have some patience in what God is doing. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do in the world is to have patience that God is working through these circumstances. Because oftentimes you don't know what he's doing until sometimes several years later. I had a precious lady come up to me after the first service and, and she was emotional and she was, you know, responding to what she had heard, what the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And she shared with me a scenario that had unfolded seven years ago. And she left the situation crying and in shambles. And then she said, this morning, Pastor, when you were sharing this story this morning, I realized why I went through all that I went through. Because God was working and I didn't even know it. You see, we have to have some patience 
that God is working. I know parents, some of us as parents, we're so concerned about our kids sometimes. Or maybe it's somebody else that you're concerned about and you're praying for them. The story is going to show us that we have to have some patience. And if we're going to be patient, God is going to work a miracle, I believe, for your life, for your family. And patience even as he works his miracles out, even in our church. Amen.